Welcome back to another episode of She's Busy AF. I'm your host, Lauren Loretto. Today we have a guest on the podcast. So before we get into the episode, I just want to tell you a little bit about Kira. She is from Paradigm Consulting, and she has over a decade of experience in people operations in the corporate world. And I really wanted to bring her on the podcast because myself, so selfishly, and I know a lot of listeners, you might be included in this, are starting to grow a team or have a team. And, you know, when it comes to having a team, not that you have like this other set of problems to deal with, but you kind of do at the same time and you're, you're figuring things out and it can feel quite lonely. So Kira's company is really cool because they create HR strategies And one of the things she says is that she founded Paradigm to bridge the gap between corporate HR policies and the modern needs of online entrepreneurs. So she really has a lot of insight into building a team as an online entrepreneur and just building a team in general. She just has a wealth of knowledge. And I just figured it's time. It's time to bring someone on who can talk about this side of the business. So we have a lot of very interesting conversations. And honestly, we probably could have talked for like three hours both of us are talkers. (laughs) You'll find that out. Um, So it's a little bit of a longer episode, but I really encourage you to listen all the way through because even if you don't have a team yet, um, or even if you do have a team, this is so relevant to, like, you know, if you don't have a team, this is like a glimpse into the future of what that could look like and some, some really incredible tips. And then if you do have a team, we just have some like really interesting conversations around that and struggles like I've had in my business and things that she's seen Um, We talk about business coaches and how they fit into HR strategies and, you know, how to make hires who care about your business, you know, because one big thing as entrepreneurs is we know that no one's going to care about our business as much as we do. So how do we like not necessarily lower our expectations, but how do we make sure that who we're hiring is going to be a good fit for the business? We talk about things like job descriptions and why those are so important and, navigating those fears of like people not being with you forever um we also talk about and this is this is a big one we talk about the difference between a contractor and an employee and what your business really needs and this one really opened my eyes a lot this is a really really good one i hope you enjoy it and here we go to another episode of She's Busy AF. Today we have Kira LaForgia. 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 Great. Yeah. LaForgia. I actually knew a LaForgia in high school, so I should I should know this. But we have Kira really? LaForgia from Oh my yeah. God, what a time. What an exciting day. It's my husband's last name, name, but I feel overjoyed. <laughs> Is his first name Evan by any chance? No, it's Eric. <laughs> Okay, close enough, right? Maybe he went to my high school. No. I don't know. I could have gone that wrong. But I knew an Evan LaForgia. If he's listening to this, sorry. <laughs> I don't know if it was high school or college. I can't my memory's not that great. Um <laughs> so Kira here. We're off to a great start. Kira owns the paradigm, which I'm going to let you explain what the paradigm is because I don't want to butcher it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So paradigm is a people operations consultancy. Um, We help business owners, generally small businesses, and a lot of online businesses to 
develop teams and maintain HR compliance through growth. And we basically are different than your typical corporate HR because we know how to spin things in a way that makes it work for us instead of just having to follow the basic laws and replicate the toxic systems that we all started out in. Um, So the really cool thing about Paradigm is that we technically are what they would call a boutique consultancy in that you always know who you're working with. You always know the consultant that you're talking to. I'm really involved in every single project. And we really focus on creating inclusive and long-term cultures that are based around organizational structures. So my bread and butter is creating business structures that stand the test of time and are really complementary to the CEO's personality, what their goals are and what their offers are. And then our team has basically taken all of the HR compliance that comes along with that. And that's kind of our secret sauce. So we find ourselves working a lot with people that come from business coaches that maybe have helped them to streamline their offers a little bit, but they need to make sure that they're scalable or just like we both have talked about before, um, essentially just want to have a little bit of growth, be in a space to maintain our growth for a long time and not necessarily have this big, massive business with a thousand employees, but the laws still apply to us, no matter if we have four employees, five employees, or a hundred employees. So we make sure everybody's compliant along the way. It's not as boring as it sounds, I swear. (laughs) No, I know. I literally wrote down six things just now that we need to talk. We need to talk about them. So for anyone (laughs) listening, if you're ever like, and I'm going to do such a good job marketing this, by the way, like I'm going to do such a good job because (laughs) I think when so many people think of HR, they're like, I don't need that. I'm not there yet whatever blah 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 mm-hmm. but one thing that you that you said that just sparked something in my mind is that um business coaches can't do it all and i want to talk for a quick second about like your thoughts well i'm gonna explain my thoughts real quick on business coaches especially for mm-hmm. like certain stages of business and then like where strategy in general in business really comes into play. So when you're mm-hmm. first getting started, a business coach, I feel like can be so valuable because they can really guide you into like where your sweet spot is. Like it took it took me years to get to the place of like, here's what we offer and here's what we do really well. Like you have to go through so much discovery working with clients to get there. A lot mm-hmm. of people do. Some people yeah. otherwise have like, a corporate background and they've really like mastered a skill so well that they now know they can go and duplicate that. And perhaps a business coach helps them more on like the business side of things of how to get that set up. Okay. So there's like, mm-hmm. whatever, that's all that little backstory there. But there comes a point where like a business coach, like a coach versus a strategist, like a coach will guide you to a place and like a strategist will jump in the trenches and like help put some pieces together that like make sense and tell you, really tell you what to do based on their expertise. Mm-hmm. And, um, I think that in especially in the online space, I hate that word. I hate that word so much. Online space. I know. But in the online space, I think in the last two years, there's this culture that's created around like you must have a business coach and there's like major FOMO if you don't. Mm-hmm. But then I think that's where like business coaches experience a lot of like fall off with their clients or like shiny object syndrome because they're not sure like really where in their business needs that that work and like we are not always capable of seeing things like bootstrapping, let's just say an HR Mm -hmm. strategy, bootstrapping a marketing strategy, bootstrapping a website. At some point you need to bring in like experts or hire in experts Mm -hmm. on your team who can do these things for you. So I would love your thoughts on that. Not to just totally hijack the conversation, but like this is why I think HR strategy is so valuable, but like, please 
talk to us about this. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing about business coaches is that they it truly having a business coach changed my life, but I didn't mean to have one. So I was actually approached and she would not care at all if I told this story because it is a real testament to her skill set. But she was like, wait, you know about employees? And this was in like middle of 2021, late 2021. Actually, I think it was like, no, 2020, two years ago. And I was like, yeah, like that's what I've been doing for 12 years. And at the time I had during COVID, I started doing consulting online for startups. So I had decided I'm going to go help businesses run companies and figure out how to build their teams. I didn't really, I thought the online space was just a bunch of MLMs. I didn't know that it existed. Like I have been doing one-off consulting for years and years, um, but in no way, shape or form was I making any money or anything like that. It's just, I'm really passionate about small business and the impact it can make on people's lives to work for a place that you're passionate about. And she, I had one package that I had created that was about HR because I was like, well, nobody wants HR. Everybody hates HR. That's actually a bunch of unsolicited advice I got. Nobody wants to talk about it. Nobody cares about it, blah, blah, blah. I know because I've been doing it for so long and working, I'm from the operation side that adapted to having 50 employees. And so then I learned HR through my graduate program and all kinds of stuff. I'm really an operations professional that essentially ran a small business, wore all the hats, and then had to learn the HR compliance and we're in California. So that's no small feat. And essentially it just kind of, she just showed up in my DMS and she actually had a bot that was like doing lead gen for her. And I was like, Oh yeah, I downloaded your freebie. It was like 15 profitable offers or something like that. Like I totally know who you are. And she was like, well, if you know about how to have employees and I need to talk to you anyways. And then we ended up, I never had a business coach, nor did I even believe in them because the only coach I had heard of previously was somebody that was a codependency coach that didn't have any experience, wasn't in therapy, had never like taken any type of coaching courses. It was a friend of a friend. And me with my personal history, I was like, you can't just become a codependency coach. Like, you can't do that. That's not fair. That's harmful. Like, coaches are bullshit. That's literally, don't quote me on that only. Like, if you put that on Instagram, only saying that, I will be so mad at you, Lauren. But that's what my thought was at the time. Like, coaches are bullshit. So when she approached me and she was like, oh, I can help your business. I can see you have all this potential, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, why? And she's like, well, because I need HR. I need to build my team. You know how to do employees. Like, let's get on a call. We ended up having like a two-hour conversation. We totally hit it off just as people. Um, same value system, same beliefs, all that good stuff. And then essentially, instead of doing any type of coaching program, I just joined her mastermind and we did a trade where I did her HR for a year and joined her year-long mastermind, which is where I met our mutual friend, Haley. And through that process, I worked with all these high-level businesses because, I mean, I had maybe made like... I don't know, $12,000 total. And I thought I was killing the game because I still had a full-time job. So I was like, look at all this extra money I have. And then I just was in a room with all these like full-time, super high-level, multi-six-figure business owners. And they all were asking me for help and figuring out how to structure their businesses and how to make it make sense for their teams. And working within my coach's business at the time, I was able to like really practice the offers that she was helping me create. And so essentially it just kind of, like change the trajectory of my business within months. And it was really cool because that's what I've been in small business for so long that I was prepared for it. So she kind of 
had this inkling that I shouldn't just join her like entry level coaching program, even though my revenue and everything else would have said to do that because my business acumen, you know, having gone to business school and stuff like that was so much more high level. So she, that was like such a pivotal moment and such a good example of a good coach that can say, let's throw away all the like qualifiers and the ICAs and the blah, 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 and put the people where they need to go to get the support they need. And then it obviously benefited her a great deal because we were able to kind of make this swap of information and get her set up with a really compliant team that she's been able to pivot since then. So sorry, my dog's squeaking. Um, her golden snitch. That's really okay. I was like, it. wait, is that me? <laughs> no, <laughs> this is her snitch. I mean, you can't see it on the video, but maybe we'll post a picture later. It's quite destroyed. Um, but regardless, it was really, I have this like weird relationship because I've also been pitched by a million business coaches and the programs yeah. uh, I've worked with a million business coaches. The, the ones that I've worked with are brilliant. And part of the reason that they're brilliant is because they're like, Hey, I'm successful. I have a team. I want to treat them right. I'm going to go invest in HR. So it really just kind of puts this category of the business coaches that I work with tend to be the highest level, the best of the best, the smartest, even if they're not the most high earning yet, because they understand the true value of a traditional business model and the implications that we have to take seriously as business owners that we have to be HR compliant. We have to have our legal ducks in order. You can't just slide under the radar and not take things seriously. So I've been kind of lucky in that most of the clients that I work with are, they really do consider themselves real businesses that are going to operate for a long time. And that's how they treat their teams. But there is, you know, Maybe every four or five sales calls, I'll hop on with a business coach that really doesn't value that. And you can see that in the way that they coach their their clients. Um, you can see oh. that they're not teaching their clients to have compliant business models. They're teaching them the shortcuts. They want to be the answer to, I can solve all your problems in the cheapest possible way. I'm going to send you a Gusto referral link and they're going to help you. Like That will not work. Gusto is great, super easy, but it doesn't help you with compliance. Um, one of my closest friends actually, sorry to like totally rant on this, but I think it's super important, especially for your audience. One of my closest friends that lives here in San Diego fully like hiring her first employee, like went and was like, Hey, I just want to let you know, like I went and did the gusto, um, like HR support to get my pers first person onboarded. Like it just is really affordable and I wanted to get it done and I know how busy you are and whatever. And I was like, no problem. Like, just let me know if you need any extra help. And it came down to the fact that it didn't do what she thought it was going to do. And that she did need somebody to help her actually plan out what the structure was going to look like so that she could effectively onboard this first team member. So I do think there are plenty of resources out there for outsourced HR that are really helpful. But what we do is just a little bit different. And I think that's where that strategy piece comes in back to your original question with about the business coaches is that really amazing business coaches are going to help you to find the correct way to run a business for the long term and not just help you put a Band-Aid on something. And those are the business coaches that are coming to us and giving the best advice and that are the most successful. We see the numbers. Like they are the ones, the ones that give a crap about their team and the ones that give a crap about the longevity are the ones that are doing real impactful work for, especially for women. And it's been interesting to see the market change. Have you seen that a lot on your end on the marketing side? Have you worked with a lot of coaches that you're noticing that strategic difference on how they're coaching their people and how they're running the back end? 
yeah, it's it's funny you bring it up. Like I haven't seen it in relation to I think how they're running the back end, but like I kind of go with gut feel and ethics, you know. So like, how are they marketing their business? Are they marketing their business with with the quick wins and like the screenshots? Like there there's like this there's like mm-hmm. a sleazy way I, I have found. I won't go into details because I don't want to offend anybody who might be <laughs> listening. But like, should I really care? I don't know. Probably not. Um, <laughs> you know. I, I I have seen I know what you're talking about I I do and, and this I have to back up because I feel like I could be so offensive sometimes like this is not to say like don't work with a business coach but let's just say like okay I'm kind of a prime example like I have a certain amount of dollars I can put towards investments in let's just say the next six months and like I'm prioritizing what's next in my business and like we are building a team so HR is kind of like we're building a team and our brand is getting bigger so in my eyes that's trademarking and that's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's like actually trademarking us for once and like that's also um putting money and time into my team and it's so funny mm-hmm. you brought it all up like gusto like we just we j- my CFO just um just implemented gusto for us but like i didn't i didn't look at it as like an all-in-one system like i still built out mm-hmm. a whole hr dashboard within my project management system i'm in the process of building out our team wiki and getting our like getting our documents in order until you and i work together in <laughs> january but you know um yeah because i i care about that too and and i think another total like segue caveat whatever you want to call this like hard right i have a corporate background and mm-hmm. I've worked at an agency before and like I just it was not the best experience and so yeah. I feel I feel I've put a lot of pressure on myself and my business that like if I'm gonna build a team I'm gonna do it the right way and I want mm-hmm. people who like want to be here I also want people who like I can pour into and also like help them grow you know like mm-hmm. education is a huge value of, of ours like we do a stipend we do a quarterly stipend for education so like hey take this money and like you can go spend it on courses or like a seminar or conference or whatever and like we have incentives for that even like in next year like we'll take a select amount of people with us to inbound like a marketing conference or something like that um really big into that because if your team's not happy they're not going to perform well and like i don't know you've probably seen everything about what is it called like quiet quitters Mm -hmm. i don't want that i don't want that in a company i'm building and like yeah which actually um one thing okay so kind of want to like hard write the topic for a second one thing I heard I can't remember if it was like my last business or when I worked in corporate culture is that like no one's gonna care about your business as much as you and I really let that sit in the back of my mind for a long time and make and it really anytime we brought on anyone onto the team whether it was a contractor or an employee it was like well they're just not gonna care as much so they're like I don't know I always like had this clouding expectation that they're just not going to be that good because they're not going to care that much. They're not going to care as much as me. So they're not going to meet my expectations. And I think um, obviously that was a horrible mindset to have. Um, what well, are it's your... tough to beat. <laughs> it's tough. Yeah. It's you're, yeah. Well, no one, no one is going to care as much as you about your own mm-hmm. business, but what, like, how can you, ensure and okay so I think I'm answering my own question because I think part of it has to do with like the interview process right and like the values and making sure like values align and that their growth trajectory like I don't know and then I also have this fear sometimes I think other people might too that like people aren't that honest in the interview process because they just want a job and so yeah I actually just had this scenario where a girl was honest in the interview process I thought everything's gonna be really great I sent her her offer letter and she came back with you know what things are actually taking off in my own business and I really want to focus on that. And I just don't think I would be giving your business 
enough FaceTime or whatever. Yeah. And I'm like, holy crap, could you imagine if she wasn't honest with me and I brought on this girl who was absolutely perfect and then like it crashed and burned because her other business is busy? Yeah. So yeah, a lot of like I mean, weird <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean you can go mind, like the fears that you're sorry to interrupt, but the fears that you are talking about are really valid and really common. And I'm sure that like everyone that's listening to this is just like nodding their head, like aggressively, like possibly crash their car. (laughs) And like, (laughs) I think the biggest thing to consider when you're having these moments is that yes, no one is going to care about their business as much as you are, but they can care about you and they can care about their career. And we want them to actually only care about their career. That's the makes the best employee. And it gives us the best opportunity to lead them. Can you imagine how toxic it would be if we had, if we were always looking for people that cared about our business as much as us? We'd just constantly be in a cycle of, well, like who's making this decision, <laughs> you know, and we could never take our foot off the gas. And we, it becomes really hard because the person is, we're never going to be able to provide everything that somebody needs in their job or in their life, but we can provide them a fulfilling career and we can provide them a great environment and a great relationship with us. So when it comes to having a, it makes it even more important to have a strategic, I guess, a strategic perspective when it comes to building your team, because it helps you to put the right people in the right position so that you can best lead and care for them. So if you're not able to do that and you're just putting band-aids on bullet holes, I say go with the contractors, stick with their processes and let them put those, like fill those gaps for you. Help them. We call it hiring for the hemorrhage. One of my team members wrote an amazing blog about it. And essentially go ahead and do that. Get those contractors to stop the hemorrhage, stop the bleeding, get things under control control. Maybe it's your mental health. Maybe it's your relationship with your family. Maybe it's your, um, your physical health. Maybe, you know, there's so many things that we have to constantly be thinking about as a human person. Um, maybe it's being a mom, maybe it's showing up for your kid. Maybe it's paying attention to your husband, you know, whatever. Maybe it's just having a fucking hobby for once in your life. Sorry if you have to cut that out. Um, but (laughs) there's like this moment where you're like, oh my God, this is all getting away from me. And that is not the time where we can really intentionally hire somebody that's going to be able to serve our business in the long term. We, It's totally fine to hire somebody for the short term, even as an employee, but our business is going to tell us what it needs. So just being really cognizant of I need to stop the bleeding so that I can be healed enough to make a bigger step forward is a totally okay way to think. And if we're bringing people onto our team and our mentality is, I want to set you up for success, here's what it looks like to be successful, and here's what it looks like to enjoy your job here, how do you feel about those things? Um, I believe in writing really polarizing job descriptions and really polarizing job ads and really letting it fly with your copy and being really straightforward about your values and your and how what you really believe. Like we can be tolerant of each other's beliefs, but we also need to be really clear that if we have a work environment where on one hand we are very very clear about our political and socioeconomic and conscious beliefs, then we want to make sure our team feels the same way. But if we want to have a work environment that doesn't 
go into that at all. We can totally do that too. But you want to be really clear about that in your job description and your in your job post. Neutrality isn't an option. That's not going to bring you anybody that's actually going to fit into the culture that you're creating. So I think that that's the number one thing is to make sure that you have that clarity and that kind of that first step, that first thing that people see about the job is really, really honest. And don't be afraid to have good people turn away from it. That's kind of the benefit of all of this is that you get to build your team based on the hell yes people. And I think, you know, just to kind of speak to your experience and here's some free unsolicited advice. If you're looking for somebody that wants to grow with your team, don't hire anybody that is an entrepreneur. Look for those people outside of the traditional online space. Don't post in Facebook groups. Don't post on Instagram. Post on Indeed. Post on ZipRecruiter. Look for the 92% of people that want to be employees and don't see themselves as entrepreneurs because those are going to be the people that are going to be the most excited about working within your business. And you're going to be able to serve them so well because you're providing them a space of employment that not that many people are providing. You're providing clarity. You're providing equity. You're not providing... I think it's like one in three women get sexually harassed at work as a woman business owner. We're going to make sure our team doesn't have that happen. That's how we make a difference in the world too. So I think there's a really big, you know, that's a really long winded answer to like solve every problem in the world or whatever. But at the end of the day, when you hire somebody, it's bigger than you. It's bigger than the tasks you need off your plate. Like you're taking someone under your wing and you're creating a space for them to grow so that you can change the world. And even if that's just in your small pocket of your community or you're you're hiring remotely and it's throughout the whole US, the impact that you can make on people lasts forever. I still get messages from people from not to like, you know, humble brag or anything, but I've been a manager for a long time and a director for a longer time. And I get messages from people that I don't even remember. Like, hey, I just want to let you know, like this thing you told me when I was a manager in year two um, really affected me. And now I'm going back to school to do this because of the advice you gave me or, you know, whatever. And I'm like, great, like don't remember you, but I'm so glad I impacted you in some way. And the only way we can do that is by really staying true to who we are. And so it's not just, let's just, you know, delegate some tasks. It's really like how this, this matters a lot and you have to be strategic about the plans that you're making for your business in order to make any real impact with the people that work for you. And that is the end of my Ted talk. (laughs) No, 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 wait, 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 wait. we want, we want more, we want more. And I have some key things I want to talk to you about, but what this, what this brought up for me was this whole navigating fears of people not being with you forever. Oh, um, yeah. Because we pour so much time into onboarding processes and making sure that like, like I, okay, so like this is actually where I'm sitting in my business mm-hmm. right now is like I'm currently like building out dashboards and recording training videos and like doing the things that will ensure the success of people who come on the team and people who are being mm-hmm. onboarded, you know, I know, like, obviously, I'm aware of that these people may not be with us forever. and That's okay. But I think that is definitely something that holds a lot of people back from hiring is like, I'm going to have to train them and bring them on and whatever. Then like, what happens when I have to fire them? Or what happens when they leave? And like, how are my clients going to take that? And how is that going to affect my business? I've personally always adopted the mindset, like even with when it comes to money and clients and whatever, that like, things happen for a reason, things are meant to be like better things will come or whatever. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think for most, this is a very challenging thing to navigate. 
Yeah. And I think, honestly, the healthiest relationship between an employer and employee is not one that is completely dependent on the employee staying with the company forever. It's my goal with every employee, not only that I onboard for my own teams, but also for my clients or help them onboard, is that no matter what happens when the employee leaves, it's on good terms because everything was set out for them to be successful. And for whatever reason, it doesn't work out, but we can separate in a way that is productive and kind and compassionate. And there is no room for this like hostility that comes from people leaving your company. And at the end of the day, your clients, they will understand if your team member goes and finds an opportunity that works better for them. They want to see that exemplified in a way that isn't you know, we can't control people, right? And the more that we try to, the harder it's going to be to be able to recover from something like that. So the way that HR really works in business is really a holistic approach to create a strategy that's not going to be adapted to one person. But instead, we're building out the positions that are available. We're building out what the upward trajectory of those businesses are, or of those positions are available. And then we're also creating really solid and clear expectations. So it takes out a lot of that gray area that makes employees uncomfortable. One in three employees still quit within the first 90 days. We can lower that number by creating an exceptional onboarding process and making sure that values and vision are aligned and also creating really clear and solid expectations and just being a caring, compassionate manager. But that number still exists regardless. And a lot of times it has nothing to do with us. There's something that happens in somebody's life. Having a new job is a huge transition period for people. I'm sure you can they like your your listeners you're probably thinking about a time when you change jobs and like how much turmoil that puts in your body even if you were so excited about the job you were getting and the opportunity you were getting and those that kind of unrest brings up a lot of stuff that we as CEOs can't control and shouldn't try to that's like such a god complex that i see a lot in like more the bro marketing space like just hire contractors like who cares let people do what they want and it's like well we call that toxic flexibility and there's also a blog about that but at the end of the day our employees we we want them to feel free to move on but we also want them to have a strategy or we want to have a strategy in place that will allow them to move up and to create that upward mobility through our business and to grow and develop and learn and learn alongside of us. And in small business, it's so cool because we can really create that in a way that is backed up by legal and ethics and HR and employment law, as well as just really solid management strategy that your company's policies can speak for so that you don't have to be talking about it every single day. Your company sets them up to understand this. And if somebody leaves, it's okay because we create replicable positions and a replicable hiring process so that you can go out and find the next person. And so I, I always tell this story that a few, I, will, I always say, I used to say a few years ago, but now I'm elderly. So I guess it was like six years ago. Um, my first assistant ever quit after working for me for three or four years. She was finishing school. She wanted to just be a college student, like just she had gone back to school a little bit later. So she was in her mid 20s. She's like, I just want to spend my last semester of school just like, you know, basically raging. And I was like, awesome. You know, she gave me six months notice. It was no big deal. And I thought there's no way in hell I can ever replace this person. Like she's perfect in every way. I hired her when she was like 
18 or 19 years old. We, I always tease her still making fun of her for showing up in leather leggings to the interview. And just like, hey, like she just developed into this person that became an amazing mentor. She still works for me to this day. We just went on vacation together two weeks ago. Like she would become friends over the years, like this awesome relationship. But at the time, she was fully one of my employees and she became a manager as she was working under me. I was training her and teaching her all these things. And it felt like there was absolutely no way to replace her. Now, her position in the company, let's just say, and her position to me was helpful to me about 50%. Let's just say it was it was awesome. She was doing everything I asked of her, but she was 50% of like what I really needed from that position. The next person I hired, I was nervous. It was not the same person. It was a different situation. I had to train them in a different way, but I ended up hiring somebody that had more education, more experience. They actually ended up fulfilling 75% of that position. So my job actually got easier. And I created another amazing relationship with another amazing person. And then when it was time for that person to leave, now my current operations assistant, well, she's operations manager, she is a has a master's degree. She has a, tons of experience, relevant experience for the business that I'm talking about. She is she brings so much to the table that I have literally been able to completely move outside the business and just function as a partner. So she's fulfilling 100% of what I was doing in that job before because that position was able to grow and develop and change over time. And so I am literally just got promoted to the chief operating officer and we're expanding to multiple locations. And my job is completely outside of the four walls of the company, thanks to her. And I think that that is just a really good example of, of course, we had a few bumps along the way, hiring and training and getting people where they needed to be, but it doesn't it doesn't mean that you're going to fail because somebody leaves it just means that you're leaving a space for somebody to bring in something new and impactful and important that's going to further kind of expand what your business is doing and change the way that you're able to do your job we don't want the same thing forever so really people leaving is something to welcome and it took me a long time to learn that i would say 9 years <laughs> of like being afraid literally scared to death that somebody was going to leave and then realizing that the way that we've structured this has made it so that we can replace these people. And now I can train them and make them. It was us as leaders that made them into that role. And so really giving yourself the opportunity to have that strategy laid out in front of you also creates an environment where you can have people come and go and it still just continues to expand the business over time. So it's nothing to be afraid of. It's actually something to be excited about. Although most of the time I have a lot of anxiety thinking about her leaving, but I'll just continue to listen to this podcast episode and I will remember that everything will be okay. <laughs> wow. Okay. So much in there. That was, that was great. Um, I guess backing it up a little, you know, from that point there, what types of help, and I'm looking for a very specific answer, so maybe I'll just tell you so that you can then explain, but yeah. I want to talk about like what types of help you can bring on and a quick rundown of the differences between them. Because, for example, I did not know until recently that you could bring on hourly employees, even though I grew up scooping ice cream as an hourly employee. Like, I forgot <laughs> that that's a possibility. Like, I didn't even realize, like, nurses are paid hourly. Like, my one of my best friends is a nurse. She gets paid hourly. And I don't I didn't understand that for a while because mm -hmm. I forgot that, like, you can get paid hourly as a W-2. So mm -hmm. most of my audience is – I what I believe is they they hire contractors and it actually was listening to your podcast with uh, or Jordan Chad and King's podcast with you about mm. this and that opened my eyes to like okay well I've I've known for a very long time that like I'm probably blurring the lines of the contractors I have on my team mm -hmm. um let's fix that so like we're actually in the process of doing that right now um 
but you know there's a difference between like i thought i could bring on part-time salaried employees and then i realized wait a minute that makes no sense like i don't have 30 hours a week for them so can you kind of and now i'm like foreshadowing but can you kind of explain um the difference quickly between like a contractor an hourly employee and a salary employee and like how you can make those all work but like really what you need to know about each for what you need within your business yeah, for sure. So we also have a blog about this. So if anybody wants to dive in deeper, um, because amazing. <laughs> it's really it's good. So good. Yeah. Um, and a shout out to Kylie, our lead ops and HR assistant. She basically takes all these things that I dump out and she makes them into beautiful posts that are helpful and not just me rambling on Slack for 18 minutes. Um, but she has written a really awesome blog about this. But in, in short term, contractors and employees are completely separate classifications. So you have two separate umbrellas. Contractors are also entrepreneurs running their own businesses. So a really good example of this is, or we talked through this a ton in um, Sam Vanderweelen's podcast that just came out. And we have also an Instagram live. So if you have to know more about this, then I would go do that because she's an attorney. So there's a little bit of perspective on both sides of that. Um, But the contractors are running their own own business. And we want to make sure that contractors can always be part of our team. We need expert support, just like people would hire your company, Lauren, or my company. We are contractors. There's absolutely nothing wrong with hiring contractors for specialized needs. However, employees are a part of your team. So when you bring people in, they're a representative of your brand and your business. So what comes along with that is that contractors set their own rates and we decide what we can afford for our own business. So what that also applies to our employees. So we get to decide how much we can afford, what we need them to do, where we need the support, and how we're going to get that ROI right away. So essentially, our goal is always to have an ROI for our first employee within 90 days. It's usually a lot faster. Um, But the general rule of thumb there is that you can always start out with a part-time employee if you're not sure if you have full-time hours for them, which I generally think is a really great idea anyways. So get somebody part-time hourly in the mix, have them track their time and hours, create really solid boundaries around how you work with your team. um, Because People often think that, oh, well, if I I don't want to worry about the time tracking, I don't want to worry about this or that. It's really not that hard. Like, I promise it's not. And what it does is it creates an environment where your employee sits down at their computer and focuses on the work that they have to do with you. And then they get to clock out and be done for the day. So for CEOs, we often don't understand that. (laughs) So it can be really hard to think about, well, I want somebody in there that's just as in it as I am. And actually, we're going to have more focus if we have somebody that's setting aside the time, that's working their hours and then clocking out. And it also helps us to create a situation where we can see ROI more quickly because we can measure how their hours are relating to our income. So it's just a strategic way to plan for your team to know how much those profit margins are once you have the team in place. Um, Full-time employees is definitely something to work up to. There, I can't say that there haven't been businesses where the first hire wasn't a full-time employee, um, but because there definitely have been, especially because oftentimes we work with businesses that are moving contractor teams over to employee teams. And so the growth is already there. And we're just trying to make sure that we're streamlining it into a way that's consistent and long-term. Um, it is really hard to, I just thought of the worst example of this and I kind of want to say it, but I don't know, um, to turn a contractor into an employee. Um, so it's like, (laughs) 
Okay. So it's really hard to turn a specific contractor into an employee because we have an entrepreneur mindset. So like I would do not well with becoming somebody's employee after being a contracted HR consultant that's helping them with their strategy. It's kind of like turning a hoe into a housewife was my thought <laughs> behind it just now, because we're kind of taking this these two separate ways of life, choosing two separate ways of living, which also like nothing wrong with being a hoe. In my opinion, I've been with my husband for 12 years, so I'm not saying that in a derogatory way, <laughs> but at the end of the day, that's kind of the feeling that we get because we're trying to take this entrepreneurial person that is running their own business, that runs their own processes, sets their own rates, and put them into the box of an employee that we want to fit within our company. And it's not that one is wrong or one is right. It's just that our business often needs an employee more than they need a contractor. So it's better to find a person that's really going to excel in that employee expectations um, type of mentality versus trying to make someone smaller and taking away that entrepreneurial spirit. So I read a statistic that only 8% of people identify as entrepreneurs. And it might be hard for us to see that as entrepreneurs because that's all we interact with on the day-to-day. -day. That's who we're marketed. Like all the people are marketing towards us that the way to go is to hire other specialists and da 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 da, -da. But not every business actually needs that. There is actually a point in businesses where they need to hire internal HR people. There is a point, like we've built our business so that they don't have to for a while. But it every major position that you're hiring a contractor for as you grow and change and develop, your business may need for that to be internal. So it's not a bad thing. Most great teams are made up of both contractors and employees, even at a super high level in corporate or whatever. Um, so I think the big difference there is just making sure that your classifications are correct based on what your business needs and not based on who you want to be in that position. Because I have contractors I work with that I'm absolutely obsessed with. And I also know that I can't just keep working within their processes if I want my business to grow. I have to bring things internal. Um, a really great example is like graphic right. design. You know, I had to bring a graphic designer, somebody that had that skill set internal because we just have too much need for it. And working within somebody else's process isn't going to turn things around the way that I want it to. I'm not going to get as much of it. We're not going to be able to create a Taylor Swift meme, meme in one day to post on Instagram to keep up with the trends. It because was so good. <laughs> Because the contractors have their own stuff. And what ends up happening is that you're like, dang it, I had this amazing idea. Now I missed the boat. And you get mad at your contractor. And it's like, no, bring it internal so that you can do the things that you want to do. It's not about them not showing up for you. It's about you creating an environment where you can be creative and you can treat your people the way that they deserve to be treated. And you do have an internal culture. It's about what your business needs, not what who you want to work with, which is really hard, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Yeah, it's so funny. So the girl Hope on my team who's actually going to be record like editing this podcast. <laughs> hey Hope, oh, maybe take <laughs> so out the hoe and actually... housewife thing. <laughs> nah, leave it, leave it. We'll put a explicit or something. It's fine. So she's been a contractor. She was an intern for me earlier this year, and she's been a contractor. And like in going through this whole process, we realized like, oh, she really needs to be an employee for like the amount of work she's doing, and like mm -hmm. the fact that she's replicating our processes. But something that's so cool that I don't think she'd mind me sharing at all is like, I am also at the same time mentoring her. So like we have bi-weekly mentorship calls because she does want to build her own business eventually, but she's fresh out of college. And I'm like, oh, like I wish that there was me when I was in her shoes because yeah. I was in the same position. Like I knew like long-term her goal is to have her own business. But right now, like I'm able to provide her stability and mentorship till she gets there. Yeah. So, um, 
which I'm kind of like sad about. I know she's going to leave us one day. Like I actually just sent that to her in her like offer letter. I was like, I messaged her and I was like, I know you're going to like leave me eventually and it's fine. But for now, like I'm really excited to have you here. We love you so much. (laughs) So yeah, I mean, that was like a big eye opener for us was realizing like, oh, she really needs to be like if I need to have her on client calls and, you know, like really following our processes and doing all of that, like she really needs to be more of a contractor on our team. Um, so kind of in this tune, I had a question. Do we have doggy issues right now? (laughs) No, my husband just came to get her after I screeched. (laughs) But what I wanted to actually say what you did with your, with, what did you say? Hope is her name? Bringing her in and, and mentoring her is like, how rewarding is that? Like, how cool is it that you get to, like, be a part of her growth trajectory and her career? And she's a person that's going to build her own business that possibly could compete with your business one day. And there's, like, absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like, we don't want people coming in and, like, jacking all of our stuff. But you create a mutual, respectful relationship. There's more than enough room for everyone to be successful. And that's where mentorship lives. Like that's when we have mentors that are really impactful. It's because they do what we do and they don't see us as competitors when they're mentoring us. So I don't see that enough in the online space. I don't see people embracing the next generation or the next group of people that are coming in to be successful because really what our business does is what? No, go ahead. Like, actually, oh, go ahead. I have. A I was like, on that. oh my god, did I mess up? Um, no, but I was thinking like, no. it's really awesome when we have more businesses that are popping up that are even our competitors or whatever the case may be, and we're teaching them how to do this in a really high quality way. All that does is enrich the legitimacy of our industry. So the more people that we can bring, just like we were talking about business coaches earlier and how there are so many really great ones out there and then people get poisoned by some of the ones that maybe don't take things quite as seriously, the better the business coaches are and the better they become and the more that they teach other people to be that way, the more legitimate the industry becomes overall. Because I've my life was changed by a business coach and I hope other women have the same experience. And so I never want to do anything but root for other people, especially when they're treating people well within their business and the impact that they're making. So there's absolutely nothing wrong with creating competitors, especially if they're going to be high quality. So yeah, of course, we want to protect all of our trademarks, our processes and all of our stuff. But that mutual respect that you get from being somebody's true mentor and really rooting for them is actually how we all become more successful in the end. Like, there's not too many people out here doing what we're doing. We I created a lot of the processes, a lot of the terms, like we're in trademarks for so many different things. And that's really cool and a definite point of pride for me. But some of my biggest referral partners offer similar services that are their lawyers or offer similar services that are accountants because there is a line where things end when it comes to specialized support. And that same thing happens in marketing industries and in um, like copywriting agencies or design agencies, the more competition there is, the higher value of a service that you're able to provide. Like what's that's called supply and demand. We get to raise our prices. Our mentor started a program and their or our mentee started a program that's similar to ours and they're charging what we're charging. Well, I mean, if that isn't proof that you have to raise your prices and you're a highly valued part of this industry, then I don't know what is, you know? So it's really cool to see Literally. that. And Okay, so okay, so on this tune and why I was like, wait, <laughs> I'm so creepy. Sorry, <laughs> I was like, I will. Um, I'm on my. I'm on the edge of my seat. Tell me, Lauren. Tell me. 
No, it's a question. Um, where do you see corporate culture going? Because, okay, and, and the reason why I have this question is, um, you know, like what we're talking about, like intercompany mentorship and all of that. And like the idea of a company, I'm a big fan of this book called Company of One, where it's like the company is only, you keep it, you keep it how you want. Like if you don't want to grow and scale and be massive, you don't have to be, you can still be like highly lean, highly efficient, still make a profit, mm-hmm. yada, yada, yada. But there are other companies out there, like where's the next Uber? Where's the next Deloitte, I don't, I don't know, whatever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but <laughs> companies are going to scale. There are companies that, that will scale. What does and I mean, and there's companies that already exist out there that are corporate and have a corporate culture. And like, I was talking with a friend about this a year ago. It's like I have no idea where corporate culture is going. I don't even know if I'll enter corporate the that kind of corporate space outside of my own business ever again. But like, with new generations coming in, with more technology being developed, it's hard to predict the future. But like, based on how involved you are in HR and HR strategies and org structures and everything. Like, where do you see corporate culture really going? Yeah. I mean, I can't really take credit for this because I do a lot of research. Like HR changes almost every, like the laws in in and of itself change all the time. So um, I'm really immersed in this discussion in my communities. But I think the big thing is it just has to consistently every company has to have a consistently agile culture so that people can feel like some a perfect balance between feeling secure and safe in their jobs but also willing and able to be flexible and adaptable to what the culture or what the company actually needs from them so i think that the most i mean every everyone acts like this, the recession that's coming or is already happening or whatever is like this brand new information or everyone acts like these big bubbles of like the coaching industry or the online space are, it's like this new thing that's never happened before. But really every, the economy just cycles through the same processes over and over again. So it's really predictable. And the things that last are the things that are constantly able to be changed. So I think marketing is actually a really great, and maybe you can think of some examples of this, is a really great example of how companies have literally built processes, systems, and teams within their own corporate culture on the marketing side that's literally built to change with the times. And so I think that maybe what is going to happen and what is happening is that corporations and medium large businesses are starting to realize that not only does their marketing team need to embrace this culture of change, but all their other departments do too. The sales department has to be able to be mobile and remote. The um, operations department has to be able to take on new software all the time and change things over and make big migrations to new systems that are more effective and efficient. We have to be able to be open to things like AI and tech and the globalization of of our economy. We have to be able to be open to all of those things without necessarily making people feel like the rug is constantly being pulled from under them. So I think one of the big things, and I don't know, I guess I'd turn it back on you and be like, hey, like you've seen how marketing has had to adapt to all these different changes over time. I mean, social media in and of itself has probably turned your industry upside down. I think that maybe you can think of some examples of how that might translate over to the rest of us and the way that we're running our businesses and the way that other departments have to be. The younger generation is ready to go into businesses where they're going to and work in different jobs where they're going to have to do a bunch of different stuff all the time. And there's a lot of space for creativity. So instead of thinking in it in a way that's like, well, everything could change any minute, watch out. It's more things change all the time. So get ready to bring some creativity to the table because we need it in every department, not just in marketing. But I'm sure through your career, I mean, you've probably seen marketing change a ton. Like, how have you seen that? 
<laughs> I'm like, tell me. <laughs> I mean, I remember boosting posts working at an agency, you know, like, or like, yeah. you know, building out ad campaigns, like, before funnels were even really thought of, you know, before like an, like, you know, I, I worked, so my background working in corporate was paid. So I did like paid, um, paid social, paid Google, paid social, paid search, and, um, and then insights and reporting. So like that, I mean, my business, anyone who listens to this podcast knows like, I love data and analytics. And like, that is the backbone of like anything we do with our clients. We're always looking at numbers. Um, but you know, like I, maybe I didn't have the oversight on it, but I remember just building out campaigns for Michael's craft stores. And like, there was, there was no funnel. There was no like funnel strategy we were following there. Like now it's like, now you have to have a strategy because you're up, you're competing, especially in the paid space, you're competing Mm -hmm. with so many other businesses running ads. And so like, it needs to have this really solid user experience. Um, Gosh, but yeah, things are changing a lot. And I, I would say one big thing that I, I think we're going to see more of is businesses doing a better job of like repurposing content um, because, you know, it's impossible to expect a social media manager to like stay on top of trends and also create content. And like, I just think brands having a more cohesive marketing strategy, mm-hmm. um, just really having a strategy for everything. I just don't think enough businesses do, but I'm also really not in like the really, really big business world to know for sure. So mm-hmm. I don't know. That's like, it's also kind of why I asked you, I'm like, where do you think from like an HR perspective, yeah. things are going. And from a marketing perspective, I just, I see, I see gener- like our generation and generations to come being a little like being better about efficiency, being efficient with marketing, um, using more efficient strategies, pushing back a little bit more on other departments um, because there, I think a lot of weight falls on marketing to do all the things and keep up with all the things. Like marketing is the one department that changes more, I think, than any, mm-hmm. any department. I yeah. mean, sales adapts to consumer behavior. Cool. Um, mm-hmm. HR adapts to the world around us <laughs> and, yeah. you know, marketing adapts to tech. Tech is like tech drives marketing. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's like a lot. There's so yeah. much, there's so much there. Yeah. Um, but I, it takes a certain person to be in marketing and thrive in marketing. And I don't know. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And I think there's like a little bit so. of that element of your, I was talking to somebody about this the other day. And honestly, I was just really tired of talking to them about this. I'll just be honest. Like that's the vibe I was getting is it was like, listen, the first year of your business, you're solidifying your offers and you're making sure that you have some stuff that you can sell and that you like doing it. Your second year of business, you're scaling. So you're getting your team shit together. Well, you're not in your second year, but ideally your second phase of business is you're getting your team shit together and you're making sure that you're ready to scale. And then your marketing strategy works really, really closely but also doesn't cross over at all with your HR because your team and your people operations and the delivery of that product, the fulfillment of your services, all of that is under HR. Anything that you need a person to do is under HR. So, and that means leadership. That means showing up for your, that means benefits, showing up as a boss, showing up as a mentor, creating relationships and culture, making sure that you are legally and ethically protected, your trademarks are in place. Because most of the time we're creating trademarks so that our clients and our team members don't take our stuff. So really that's HR too. Legal and HR are very similar. 
We work really closely with HR or with legal and accounting, but marketing is the whole other side of the business. In my opinion, almost everything else can be categorized under people, which is like operations and stuff like that. Marketing has to be able to do its thing. And marketing is going to bring us the people that we're going to be able to serve as human resources. Marketing is going to bring us the clients that we're going to be able to serve as human resources. Marketing is even going to help us develop our company culture in a way that is a really, really good marketing team can, you can toss your ideas over for how you're identifying your company culture to your marketing team. And they're going to spit it right back out at you in beautiful copy and language that makes perfect sense because they're part of that team. So I think, you know, for us, my business, one of the things that we really like to do is to really like boil things down to the nitty gritty and then spit it back out to the CEO in a way that makes sense, not just for them, but also the people that they're trying to attract. So the people that are working for their business, it's a different strategy than the same exact people or than the, what the marketers are doing, which is bringing the people in that we want them to pay us. So it's just two different versions or two different sides of the same coin, but you don't need a people operation strategy if you don't have a marketing strategy and you don't need a marketing strategy if you don't have the people to deliver on it. So in my opinion, and that's why I think we work so well with creative businesses and marketing agencies and uh, design agencies, because everyone in the creative marketing space truly understands the way that a strategy works. And that's how we can adapt. They can understand how an HR strategy can launch your business into a totally new um, way of working. And I think that that's really cool to think about because I personally love working with marketers, um, particularly because that strategic brain and the, the linear thinking and the looking for proof of concept and things like that is really the same way that we create an HR strategy. But one can't exist without the other. So a friend of mine is an online business recruiter. She specializes in especially those first hires for creative entrepreneurs and finding it, finding that person for them. It really works really well if you're not um, like if you're kind of in that hemorrhage state where you're like, I need somebody great and this is what I need the position to look like. And also like I need to still run my business so I can afford them. She does such a great job of finding the right person to put in those roles. And one of the debates we often have is, is this person going, it's either going to be a marketing person or an operations person as their first hire. So a marketing person or an admin or, you know, something along those lines, but they're almost, and sometimes we can combine it. Um, marketing assistant, something along those lines. But for the most part, we really are looking for ways that we can create a position within a company that speaks to the needs of the business, but also doesn't ignore the fact that the business still needs to attract people <laughs> that are going to pay them. And so you can go all in on your operations, but then you're not going to have anybody paying you. So we generally think that if we could, if I could have a perfect like everything works out great. I launch an offer. It goes well. It's time to hire. My first, my dream world would be to hire a marketing person and somebody on internal operations or delivery at the same time, because you really can't exist without both of those field, both of those sides of the field working together. Wow. So much there. Okay. Well, <laughs> I, um, you just made me like very confident in the fact that marketing will be around for a long time. Forever. <laughs> Literally forever. Cool. Love that. Yeah. Great. Okay. So, okay. There, I mean, I want to keep talking to you for literally three hours, but I want to also keep this a little concise, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so I have a few more questions for you. Okay. Um, this is a this is a question that came in from one of uh, one of our avid listeners, and I was like, we are going to talk about this on this podcast with Kira because this is a perfect <laughs> question for you. 
How do you train your employees to be figure outlets and stop coming to you for every little thing when they can watch a YouTube video and get it themselves? What is your response to that? Um, well, my favorite thing to put in a job ad is exactly those words. <laughs> so if you want somebody to be that person, then put it as the first line in your job ad. Um, make sure I think I have one, my marketing assistant, um, now we've developed her into a different role based on her strengths, but the job ad actually said you can Google everything and figure it out yourself. It was one of like the top things that I needed from her. But a deeper answer is you have to make them feel safe. You have to let your employees know that they're safe to mess up and they're safe to make mistakes and they're safe to go and try something out and not have it work out that great. And it's a collaborative environment. And so at the end of the day, people talk about psychological safety a lot in management. And I just think that as women, especially women business owners, we know how to make people feel comfortable and safe because we have to do that every single second. And I'm sure there's plenty of resources you can look that up on, but essentially we're the society has trained us to make people feel comfortable to the extent that we are uncomfortable. So I think being able to use that skill that we inherently have and also articulating it outwardly, like, why don't you go figure that out? And if you mess up, like no worries, you know, just letting them know, like, go screw up, go do it. Let's see what happens. It's totally fine for that to happen. Then also creating a boundary of, and this is high quality work. So let's revisit it and figure out how you can do it better the next time. So we are not creating a space where we're getting walked all over and people know that they're allowed to make mistakes and they're not actually being functional and purposeful, but there's always a backend conversation that is critiquing the work, but they're not afraid to go out there and make those mistakes. And if you have an employee that no matter what you're doing and whatever you're telling them, they're not making those efforts, it can be an issue with an employee. So you want to make sure at the end of the day that you are putting yourself in a position to make them feel as safe as possible. You're saying what you mean and you're meaning what you say, but also understanding that some people are not going to want a job like that. They're going to want to be a task rabbit. And so it's okay for you to kind of qualify that as an understanding and making sure that you're delegating the appropriate task to them and they're in the right position for your company. Awesome. Love that answer. I think that's so true. Like it really all does come back to the job description. Mm-hmm. Um, when I heard you on, I keep re- re- referring to JSK's podcast because like, <laughs> you know, that's where I heard about you and that's where I became obsessed with you. So sorry, like sue me. Um, but, I love her. <laughs> I do. I do. Me too. Um, so in her podcast, you guys talked about the job description and I was like, I felt so good about myself because I went back to like the job descriptions I have set up. They're literally like, two google doc pages long like they are long and it's like i have this i I got this structure from a friend and it's like you are we are and you put that pretty high up so you like say like what you're looking for Mm -hmm. and then you know like your methodology might be different but this is like what i've found works for us because i don't get this massive influx of applications i get people who are very like they fit and Mm -hmm. it's it says like you are this and like basically like this is where you're a self-starter you're this blah 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 we are and then it kind of goes back to like our mission vision values Mm -hmm. like this is who we are and then here's what we expect so here's like the role responsibilities and all of that and like I am so detailed I used to think that was the worst thing ever but now I'm like wait no that has put like the right candidates right in front of us so Mm -hmm. yeah I think it all goes back to the job description and and then when you have these hires on if you're having issues you can kind of take extreme ownership of maybe what you didn't include in the job description 
you yeah. know because like at the end of the day like we can't be we can't be mad at the people on our team for like maybe not doing something right like at the end of the day you have to go back to like where did I fail them where mm-hmm. did I not tell them what the expectation was for them to like not be able to deliver on it and yeah. if you if you can't think of a place where you failed then then okay then then maybe it is the problem that is the problem the employee is the problem and mm-hmm. uh, you know you got to do that's what you okay. got to do um, yeah but that's what I've learned yeah and that and that's okay too yeah like you're not going to be perfect you're not especially I feel like when you first make your hires like you're not always there's going to be things you feel like you miss mm-hmm. unless you work with someone like you <laughs> Well, you so, do miss wait, it, that though. actually leads me to my next – Yeah, you do, do. still miss yeah. stuff. I mean, people are people. And like like I said earlier, if we try to control every single thing they do, we're never going to be successful. So we just have to make sure that we're doing our best. And also, the people that are applying to your job that has a two-page description are going to be people that are going to work in really well in an environment with that kind of detail. So it's not even something you're saying, but it's yeah. how you're saying it, which also indicates what your culture looks like. So I think that's great. But yeah, your next question was right. about something you did, that- probably. <laughs> exactly no no no. this was like this was like the best segue into like okay so there's all of these things that have to do with it's it's it can be extremely overwhelming which is actually why i reached out to you in the first place i was Mm -hmm. like you have all these templates on your site and they're great i know they're great because i have a few but like (laughs) i don't need just templates like i really need a a strategy like i've i've built out an org chart of what i think the business could look like but Mm -hmm. you know so ultimately what the point i'm trying to get to i'm so bad at this I'm is, loving it. At what I'm point like, does it make sense for <laughs> my rambling? <laughs> yeah. So at what point does it make sense to work with someone like you, someone who can provide a, a top-down like people strategy for their business? Um, I mean, I think that generally when you're when you know that you need to move from contractors to employees and you are a business that is secure enough in the finances that you're not just trying to like get some support off your plate and outsource a couple of little things, but more so like actually creating an environment where your company can kind of continue to chug along. Um, moving to contractors and employees is a big one. We try to keep our prices as affordable as possible. Um, we the work that we do in three months generally take no HR generalists and HR strategists that our employees have never done this. Um, when I started my business, it wasn't I hadn't done the things that I've done. I've only enforced it. So it's a really unique model in that we can get something done in three months that you would otherwise have to hire somebody at a full time salary of sixty grand a year to figure it out, and they probably still wouldn't do it as well as we do. Um, which I know sounds really crazy, but you know, it's my life's work. So here I am bragging. Um, so I think if you're, if you know that you're ready to go from having a few people that are contractors to the employees, and if you are, I think that the big secret sauce for us is that I just have this weird organizational development brain. So you can trust that you're getting really solid and informed advice about what your org structure should look like. My favorite part of every process and every project is not when we build their employee handbook or figure out what those job descriptions are or put it all on paper and isolate the KPIs and all that good stuff. It's actually when we have this light bulb moment through our initial call where the organizational structure is so much different than what the client thought it was going to be. Because I have so, I mean, I have org structures floating around in my head that have like some of the most innovative plans on them. And I can use all of that knowledge to plug it into your business. And I think that's, that's just my favorite part is like, well, I need this, this, and this. And then usually by the end of the call, it's something completely different. 
And sometimes going into month two of our process, it's also different because they've had some time to ruminate on the results that could happen from a different type of organizational structure. So it's really cool. The way we've actually put together our process is the first month is really focused on the company policies and culture. Um, It's often focused on getting that first job description really nailed down because it's usually pretty clear what you need support with for that first person. Um, And then we usually have our three-phase growth plan ready for you, but we actually save that we call it our phase two kickoff, which is the second month of the process, which is when we really nail down the rest of the positions. We don't do that all up front anymore. We used to do it all in the beginning. And now we do it at the beginning of month two, because often the CEO and the leadership team has really had time and or the leadership team has really had time to ruminate on the different perspectives that we bring to that initial strategy call. And we want to give them some space to really like kind of let it shake out a little bit. Because once you start to see different ways that you can structure your team to be agile and try new things, our CEOs get so creative. And there's so much white space that opens up because they're able to take this pressure off of trying to figure out what's next for their business, because we lay it all out right in front of you. Here's what the possibilities are. So For me, I think that if you know that you have a few different ways that you want to go and you're not quite sure how to build a team to get there, and maybe you're holding back because you're like, what if I change my mind or what if my offer changes? That is all built into a really thoughtful and strategic organizational structure. And we... I People will say that I coach them, but I do not say that at all. I don't know about coaching. I don't haven't gotten a certification. I don't do that. I am fully a consultant. I will just tell you what to do. Like there's not a lot of feelings and emotions involved, although I do relate to a lot of the ones that come up when we work together, but they, it's just having a really trusted business coach. That's good. I'm going to know everything about your offers. I'm going to know how much they're going to cost. We're going to build out your profit margins. And then you're going to come to me with all these great ideas. And so I think when you're at that point where you're like, I could go this way or that way, we got to work together because you need somebody that you can trust. And Honestly, I really do think that that's like what my purpose is here on earth. Like we'll create your policies and all that good stuff and keep you compliant. But the real impact comes from the white space and the creativity that blows up these businesses that we work with because they're able to actually take a step back and let their teams do what their function and functions are and they're structured to do. And it's been so fun to see businesses build and then also to take build up all of their revenues and have more time for themselves and, you know, all these different ideas that people walk away with. But what's really cool is when it's they're able to change stuff because we give you a pattern that you're not married to for the rest of your life. We just give you the foundational structure. So then you can make those changes. You can add in new offers. You learn how to develop really solid job descriptions and expectations. And then we're just like kind of there for you whenever you need to onboard somebody on the compliance side too. So I think that's the big thing is if you if to answer your question, it's really more about setting yourself up for the long term and not always so much about, I just want this one employee to help me get some stuff off my plate and hitting, you know, 150 a year is perfect for me. I'm meeting all my expectations and standards. Like I already have a person on my team that I just want them to be an employee and we're going to chug through this together. Those aren't, you're not, join our membership so we can keep you compliant and stuff like that. But our real services are for people that want to take it past the compliance and have it be more about a real true organizational growth plan that is compliant HR wise and is legally compliant and learning to adapt your business model as you go so that you can be creative over time. Um, Most of our clients, I would say they're in it for the long haul. They have no 
intention on ever going back to a corporate environment or being somebody else's employee. Um, they're generally like, I need to figure out how to do all this so that I can make changes and adapt and, you know, make this business work to whatever end I need to. And that is where a really solid strategy comes in. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I mean, amazing. It's really fun. I promise. It's so fun. Yeah. Everybody's always like, wah, wah. And I'm like, no, it's fun. I promise. (laughs) No. And it's so, it's this, like, if you plan to ever have a team and scale in a in a, even if not even if you're not going to scale even if you want to keep a small lean team like one of my best friends our babies are like 3 weeks apart her kid oh. literally turns 1 tomorrow which makes it even more real that like my baby's about to turn 1 so that's cool <laughs> um crazy what happened um she has an SEO agency that she and her partner have been operating i can't remember how many years but she was one of my first guests on the podcast so her name's Andrea Barnhill if anyone wants to go back and listen to that episode so good with Socratic and she actually talks about how like you know, um, how she scaled the business and, and grown the team a little bit. But they've had just like a rolling – she's actually when, – okay, when we were talking earlier about switching contractors to employees, like she and I talk about that a lot because they did that. They had a whole team of contractors and at the same time transitioned them all to employees. They've cycled through some employees, but like they have a solid like HR structure, org structure. Like they – like cool. she does operations and he does like the, the, the business partner does like the services. Like he runs the services side of the business. And so I, I talk with her a lot about these things. And they have a small lean team of five team of five people. I just think that's so cool. Like you you make it you make it what you want, but like HR, if you have any intention of being a company, of being a business, you know, that's more than just yourself and like have people internal, like an HR strategy makes so much sense. Like this was a realization I had earlier this year. I was like, well, if I ever want to take maternity leave, like I can't be the one doing everything. I cannot. You know, like I I was so lucky, grateful, thankful that like my clients understood and let me take some time off Mm -hmm. and didn't stop our retainers or anything like that. But like that's not going to happen in the future, (laughs) you know, as we have new clients, new business as we grow. Like but but more than that, I want to create something that's bigger than just me. Mm -hmm. You know, I want I want a team. I I also know that like within my business, we talked about this, like I. I'm only as smart as everything I know. And so therefore our campaigns and what we create are only what I know. And if I bring on other people, other incredible strategists, other incredible creatives, like that can only just do better things. Mm-hmm. Like that's not even proper grammar, but that could do like really great things for our clients now and in the future. And that's that's my why. Like that's, I want to keep helping our clients innovate and grow and scale and do do the things that they want to do through marketing. So, because, yeah. you know, as you said, marketing really fuels everything within a business. <laughs> it does. It really does. And so, I mean, to your point, there's definitely yeah. a, we believe in building a lean team that's super profitable because I don't think that people realize that when you, people get burned a lot by people. So like they'll have contractors that have disappointed them or employees that have disappointed them and it turns them off to hiring altogether. But that's what the HR strategy does. It it doesn't make it about the people and and how they, you know, how they interact with your business or how they burn you or how they move on or, you know, whatever. It makes it about your business. So weirdly, prioritizing the people on your team is like one of the best things you can do for your business. So it's not just about the profits, but it's also about 
really creating something something that works for what you really want your team to look like and where, how you want things to end up and then optimizing those people into roles that are expanding your profit margins over time. So I love to think about HR strategy as kind of a lever you can pull once it's set up. You're like, oh, I can pull this lever and we can grow a little bit or it's time to go on maternity leave. I'm going to back things up a little bit for a while. And your HR strategy can actually be built to like fully withstand that depending on what you have going on as a CEO and if you have a business partner, so we work with Boss Project, we did a case study on them and that's on our website too. And that was a really big one. They have an amazing podcast called Strategy Hour and um, we recorded it a long time ago, but they, I literally DM'd them because Haley, our mutual friend was like, you should DM Boss Project. They need your help. And it was awesome because they were like, we are never having employees again. We got totally screwed over by this person, blah, blah, blah. They talk about it openly on their podcast. And then essentially like, and it had been a few years and they never wanted to do it again. And now they have like a thriving team that we've restructured a couple times and we've been working together for a year and a half and it's all an ongoing experiment, but you're able to still be a business owner, provide a space for your team and be fair and kind to them at the same time. But you can't do that unless there's a strategy behind it. It's too hard. Otherwise you're spending all day, every day managing your team. I read a statistic this morning that was Managers of teams often have to deal with three hours a day of unexpected issues that arise from being a manager of human people. And it's like, well, duh, like, where did all my time go? You know? So I think that having a solid HR strategy and expectations and a clear culture can really cut that time down without necessarily having you have to have somebody on your team that's specifically there to manage their performance. So we love it. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, well, since you love it so much, why don't you tell everybody where <laughs> I can't be taken seriously. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> where can people find you? How can they work with you? Give us yeah. all this stuff. Well, I think that um Instagram's usually the best place to go. Um, so that is the paradigm with two M's. Um it's spelled kind of funny, so Lauren, you'll just have to like share it in the notes, I guess. And then <laughs> If you want to work with us, just fill out the form on our website. It asks you a few questions. Um, we'll usually hop on a call and talk about it, but make sure that you mention that you heard us on Lauren's podcast. We can send her presents and money. Um, and <laughs> I think the biggest thing is probably our workshop. I think if you're just thinking about moving from contractors to employer, you want to know a little bit more about it, um, then go and buy our workshop, which just went up in price, actually. Um, but it is 90 minutes. I meant for it to be an hour, but just like this podcast, we went over time. Um, and it really digs in deep to the who, the how, some of the compliance, not all of it, because you, you know, you can imagine you can't really do that in a 90 minute workshop, um, but really how to get that ROI out of your first employee right away so that you're not necessarily going down a path of wasting money on people. And it'll really kind of bring some clarity on whether or not you need support or if you can figure out how to do it on your own. Yeah, that workshop is absolutely incredible. It definitely gave me a lot of clarity. So I'm just going to endorse that here. Um, and we're also going to be working with the paradigm in January. So again, like, you know, just endorsing the crap out of Kira. So <laughs> go listen to all the other podcasts she's been on too, because she is just a wealth of knowledge and she's so fun to listen to. 
Thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I will make sure all your information, guys, it's all linked in the show notes. Please go check her out. Binge her blog. If you ever want to enter, go down the path of like <laughs> hiring at all within your business. Just start there. It's amazing. It's She's a wealth of knowledge. I've stopped Googling about HR. I literally just go to her website instead. So Oh, cool. Do that. What a great and- compliment. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yes. We so hate Google sure HR. All those, all those links are included. <laughs> oh my God. Google HR is the worst because then you go down, it's like, then there's like Florida, Texas, California. Like, what? There's so many different rules for so many places. That's all ultimately why we're working with you. But yeah, so I don't want know. people to be overwhelmed, um, but it, do, it does help the business when they do yeah. get overwhelmed. So I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, it does. It sure does. It sure does. So anyways, go check that out. Again, she also has an amazing template shop. So like if you take anything from this today, I think I think um, for bringing on people into your business, like that job description, set yourself up with for success with that job description um, and, you know, bring on bring on the help you need. So again, thank you so much for tuning in, Kira. Thank you so much for being a guest on our podcast today. Yeah. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Yay. (laughs) 